Hey, big shout out, Brando, to everybody that joined the October happy hour Zoom call the other night. The spooktacular? Was it a spooktacular? It was uh, It was our spooktacular. Nice. Shout out to Philip for yes. joining us finally so we could finally drink these amazing, awesome uh, German brewskis that he sent over to us. They were wunderbar. Wunderbar. Nine of them were wunderbar. <laughs> also, we got to give a big shout out for seeing old Jerry, too. Jer, yeah, Jer came back. After shout out to, a little while. glad to see you again, Jerry. Getting himself uh, back together. I'd like to, uh, it would be great to get a dive together with uh, old Jer. It sure would. And a big, a big uh, shout out, holla to, to the rest of the normal crew that was out there. Oh, and happy birthday, Tom. It was Tom's Tomas. birthday. Yes, Tomas. Feliz cumpleaños. What's uh, happy birthday in French? Bon anniversaire. I was going to, I was, that's exactly what I was going to say. And in German, it's happy birthday, you little <laughs> schnitzel man. <laughs> so, Brando, I've got this magazine that I found on my desk because you and I were the only two that showed up in costume like we were supposed to. And I had that gigantic creature from the Black Lagoon mask that was so big as I, I turned my head back and forth like the mask yeah. didn't move so I kept losing the eye holes. Uh, I hear you. And uh, I, I I knocked my beer over, spilt beer all over <laughs> my, my desk. You, and uh, so as I was cleaning up the beer spill, I was like, oh, I, yeah, I put this magazine here. I've been holding on to it for a while. It's got a couple articles that I wanted to attack one of these days, but it's an old, it's an old Rodale's scuba diving. So I mean, that's going back to a millennia ago. A m- whole fucking millennial? It's from a different century. That's crazy. What was it like back then? I like I like that I'm being told I'm born in in the 1900s now. <laughs> like <Yeah>. the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a Model T or something. I'm a Model B. But, but in so much as this weekend we are doing a rescue class. Yeah. There's an article in here, an instructional article about 10 self-rescue tips that I thought was very fitting for our upcoming weekend of instruction. Self-rescue is the best rescue. Well, I, I tell you, you know, I always spend a little bit of time, and I have for a long time, spend a little bit at the very beginning of the class going through personal skills. Because if you and everybody that you're in the water with has good personal skills, you really lessen the chance of the rescue needs even beginning to boil, if you right. will, and, and brew up yeah. a big emergency. Yeah, that snowball doesn't get started if you yeah. if you are, can intercede in the uh, but, formation of it. Yeah. Yeah, but if you're already struggling with buoyancy and body mechanics and you're already having difficulty controlling your descent and, and equalizing ears and you you need a crutch you know like holding on to a line to go up or go down well you're you're setting yourself up for running into an emergency so if you can clean that stuff up you, you lessen the chance of it happening greatly greatly yeah i have to believe at least from you know all the accident reports we we hear and the things we've seen it's uh, 
it's where that snowball starts to get formed is in uh, is in poor skill set, you know, or being overweighted or or lack of knowledge of you know what it is in uh, that you're supposed to be doing with diving as far as buoyancy, balance, trim, and awareness kind of thing. So yeah, you can arrest, you can take away the beginning of the snowball by just being decent in the water. Yeah, and if if your buddy is having a problem, you laugh and at you him. go over to lend assistance, yeah. but you're lacking on that, you know, buoyancy, mm. trim, and body mechanics. It's going to be two you're, people. You're going to, and this is what I see all the time, you know, with, with just budding new divers just, you know, running into a rescue class, is as they go to help, <laughs> they, make, they make it worse. Yeah. You know, they, they go to help, but they don't have their own buoyancy squared away, so they crash the team into the bottom. Which is awesome. Or they go, they're swimming, they lose buoyancy, and they just shoot to the surface. Yeah. You know, while they're, while they're trying to lend assistance in an air shirt. Yeah, you get to the surface, but... Not in a yeah, yeah, healthy not way. Not in a controlled yeah. way. You just, you just, you know, in reality, you know, if you guys were just coming up from a dive, you're playing around at 100 feet for 15, 20 minutes. You know, just losing buoyancy on, a, on an air share and popping to the surface. Yeah, you're at the surface, but you're not necessarily making things better. So having good personal skills is really the key. And if you've properly managed the gas and accounted for doing an ascent the proper way, right? You've got the gas to do a good, clean ascent like you always right. would have, even despite having to share gas through that whole time. Right. Well, that, and that goes to the proper gas planning, right? And uh, doing away with the be on the boat with 500 he kind of dive plan, which really doesn't, it really isn't a plan. It's more of a, um, it's more of a statement of where you'd like to be on the boat with. It's not a plan. That's like saying, uh, my plan is living in a house. Well, you have to build a house. I don't know if that's a good analogy or metaphor or whatever, but it's the idea is being on the boat with 500, if that's your plan, that's not really a plan. It's not a plan. Right. That's kind of like looking you know, through the, uh, the local realty magazine. Yeah. It's not really having a house. Right. You didn't build a house. You lo- you looked at homes in a magazine. <laughs> it's like look it's like looking at realtor.com. That's not having a house. I it's totally like, understand I totally understand the analogy. I think a better an- analogy, it's more like driving past Home Depot. That's really what it's like and going, There's Home Depot. Right. right. I built a house. It, or it's kind of like <laughs> running out of gas on your way to Home Depot. Exactly. That's even better. You know what I mean? It's like I want to be at Home Depot with an eighth of a tank, <laughs> and you you get there with nothing. You don't even makes, get there. Makes perfect sense. Yes. Swimming through a gap in the kelp forest, you realize that although you're still finning, you are no longer moving. After a moment's surprise, you realize the obvious: you're caught by a strand of kelp. You can't see where you're caught, so you turn your head cautiously to look for your buddy. You see him swimming away around (laughs) the other side of the strand of kelp. At least for the moment, you're on your own. (laughs) This is, um, you know, it's good. This is a good spooky one to start off October with. Not too bad. Not too bad. I was going to say, uh, 
it's a little uh, spooktacular, scary kind of feeling yeah. going there. Uh, you're setting the mood. You're on your own in the kelp forest, the black forest of kelp at Germany's border. <laughs> if something like this hasn't happened to you yet, it will sooner or later, John Francis tells us. But even if your buddy watches over you like a mother hen, you've got to take responsibility for your own safety and your own rescue. The ability to rescue yourself to solve your own problems begins long before you get wet. It begins in the uterus, actually. That's your first self-rescue is when you come out of the uterus. <laughs> I made it out. So... Oh, man, the uh, the analogies today are just going to be on point, people. Here, Get ready. Send us a message of your favorite Brando analogyism of uh, episode 287 at our email address, info at the Great Dive Podcast. But you're right, in a way. Of course I'm right. And John Francis is right. You know, the uh, long before you're actually underwater getting tangled up in the kelp is where the issue of getting tangled up in the kelp began. You know, it's poor buddy communication, poor positioning, poor team awareness, uh, awareness of your surroundings. There's a lot going on before you got tangled up in that kelp. You probably hung over, which you shouldn't have done. This is why this is why you don't dive Tuesday morning after a <laughs> happy hour Halloween party costume Zoom party. True, with the Great Dive Podcast. Have you ever uh, been to the kelp? You, I know you've been. I don't know why I'm asking this, uh, but diving in the kelp forest, especially there in uh, California. Oh, beautiful! It's I, gorgeous. You know, I, I was just looking at some photos earlier this week. And you know, now that I'm playing with this camera, I, I'm so itching to get back to to some kelp because I saw some really cool shots, oh, and I'd love Jesus to go Christ. play with with yeah. with the sunlight coming through. Uh, just the colors were just out of control with just in Greens, that shallow yellows, zone. Orange Garibaldi. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then the blue water, the white of the sun. Oh yeah, yeah, some really cool stuff. Can't wait to get back. Yeah, that's some good stuff there. I mean. Uh... From a photographer's standpoint, there's unlimited shots there. Unlimited, uh, what's the word? Keepers, wall hangers, whatever you want to call them. There's some, just some, uh, it's a gorgeous environment to be shooting in. But swimming through the kelp, you have to be aware of y- your body mechanics and where your fins are, where your body oh, is. Oh, yeah. Right? Real easy to get tangled up. And it, it, it doesn't just, you can't just, you know, Pull it out and, no. and break it away like, like you can the weeds. It's like thirty uh, if, feet if you're long. Up here in Michigan, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And it's you know it's like as strong as bones. I was going to say it's and substantial. Really gotta, it's pretty. You really got to like snap it in half yeah. in just the right way to to get that stuff to break away. You need a chainsaw, really. This is why I always dive with a machete. I I strap a uh, hydraulic chainsaw to my lower leg, just like Mike Nelson. The first tip for becoming your own dive buddy that John Francis gives us in this article is, number one, get trained. The need for training is obvious, but most divers learn emergency procedures only at the beginning of their diving career and then immediately begin to forget them. So take an advanced course. 
A rescue diver course would obviously be especially relevant, but most of the others also provide refreshers in emergency management. Good point. Well, and and I think we've hit upon that several times, which is, yeah, you do your your mask R and R, which you know you you might do a couple times as you keep diving, but for the most part, you don't lose your mask very often, right? And then uh, air sharing, gas sharing, whatever. Um, yeah, most people don't do it after their open water class. Even a, I was going to say, I mean, a, a, a decent instructor is going to throw some gas shares in, in your advanced class. But overall, the advanced class, as we've said, is kind of a misnomer because it's just a, it's five experience dives and different experiences, if you will. You know? Well, the general advanced class right? That's what throughout I mean. the industry has nothing to do with advancing your ability as a diver. It is simply a experience. Like a sampler experience for other specialty classes you could pursue in the future. Right. It's a sampler platter on the appetizer menu. Exactly. It is exactly not what it is. An entree. You did not get the, you know, surf and turf. You got jalapeno poppers. And some Deep fried mushrooms, <laughs> maybe a, yes. maybe a couple cheese sticks, right? Some cheese sticks, those little wonton tacos. <laughs> but but you did not get the surf and turf. Gas, you did not get the gas planting surf and turf. No. I'll tell you that much. Now the the surf and turf, you're all set. I can't tell you how many times teaching a rescue class we talk about when's the last time you flooded removed and replaced your mask on a dive or or practiced an air share on a dive the overwhelming majority of people is why would i do I, that ne- never never <laughs> why would i take my mask completely off and back on like unless my instructor's pointing at me saying right. take your mask off and put it on again or do an air share right? most people when they get to a rescue class, it's the first time they've done it since, since their certification. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, rescue class. And uh, classes. then you have the question, well, how well do you think that's going to go? Yeah. If, like, you really are swimming along a wall in the Cayman Islands and somebody kicks you in the face and you lose a mask, how well you think that's going to go? It's going to go never, awesome. You've never practiced it <laughs> yeah. once. Yeah. Right, or you actually do, you know, uh, you're on that shipwreck and you uh, just get overwhelmed by the the awesomeness of the dive and and somebody comes up to you and spooks you with a, I'm out of air. How well do you think that's going to go? You've never even practiced it once? Right. I mean, that brings up a a whole lot of uh, things that I see. Yeah, you did it in the class and it was, you know, with a little octo hung in your little triangle and then you... You did it a couple of times to kind of get it so it looked semi-decent, but you're kneeling on the bottom of a pool or on a on a deck underwater, right? Um, right, platform which underwater. is not reality. Right, and that's not and, – and, and then it goes away and you don't practice it anymore. Or uh, the other thing I've se- I see that I think is kind of funny because people think, oh, I, I'll just carry something in my pocket in case of an emergency, whatever that may be, whether it be a, a marker bag or – or a spare mask even, right? And then in a class, like a rescue class, you're going to put them to the test. You're going to say, okay, give me your mask. Your mask is lost. It got kicked off during the, re- you know, during whatever. Um, 
and then to watch them try to deploy their mask from their pocket. And they've never practiced that either. And I know it seems like, oh, you just reach in your pocket, pull it out, and put it on and clear it. Well, watch. Well, that's, watch that's it. what it says in the paper. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> like, well, I'll be on the boat with 500. Well, I'll just put this mask on. Same kind of thing. It's, it's always different if you've never practiced it. It's, it's always a lot underwater and diving. Simple things turn complex. Right. And this is what I mean by, you know, the, the having them practice the, the air share because as they swim to each other, you know, for the first time ever doing this, they're not controlling their buoyancy. They break trim. Yeah. Their, their feet are below them. They're working and kicking, which sends them up a couple of feet, which causes the gas to expand. They're so focused <laughs> on shoving out, like yeah. ripping an octo out of a out of a pocket that they you shove it in a mouth. And by the time the, the, the person gets the first breath, they're, at, they're already at the surface. Right. In seconds. Right. I mean, you watch it all the time. It's... Uh... Back in the, I used to run rescue. Yeah, that's not a successful. That, that's not a successful air show. No, the things I would see, I was like, "Have you guys done anything since you got your open water?" As far as practice, training, but no, it's just not. It's just not a. Um, what's the word? Uh, I don't want to call it an ethic. It's just not a. Um, well, I guess it kind of is a work ethic. That's that's really pushed in open water one hundred and one. The idea of Practice, practice. Well, skills. because it's not. Yeah. It's it doesn't fit the game. Mm. It's scuba's fun time. It's scuba. all just fun. It's <laughs> just fun. fun it's fun and fishies and cool things to see and yeah. pretty islands and it's it's not taken seriously. Right. Well, if you're watching scuba on TV, it is scuba fun time. If you're in the water with life support equipment and you need a modicum of skill and uh, ability in practice using that equipment, you need to practice. That's all there is to it. It becomes not fun quick. It's like going to Home Depot with an eighth of a tank of gas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> seeing, seeing the pre-built shed out there in the, in the parking lot, <laughs> and you thinking you're just going to go in, you don't know anything, you're going to buy some tools and just build one and not buy the one that's, that's right there. No, because you can save. I mean, when are you going to buy the the $5,000 one that, that they assemble for you on your lot? Or are you just going to go buy the wood and screws and, you know, whatever hardware you need and build it and, yourself and I, save and $150? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to buy all the tools and the wood and the screws. Yes. I'm going to save $150 and do it myself and buy the $5,000 one the next weekend because I got a, because I, I got a half built shed. Yeah, half built. Ski <laughs> word. Yeah. Which is what brings us to uh John Francis's second point, which is get experience. More hours underwater will make you more capable of dealing with emergencies. Most quote unquote emergencies are only emergencies the first time they happen. Afterward, they're annoyances. As you dive, you gain experience and confidence in your ability to solve problems underwater. One thing, a little caveat to that I'd add is, you know, practice is great, uh, but practice doesn't make perfect, right? The, uh, this old saying that we've always had, practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. In other words, you got to practice 
good stuff. If you're practicing something that's not going to work well or not going to improve your diving ability in the long run or doesn't fit right, you're only reinforcing uh, a bad habit. Right. If you have a hundred dives of experience under your belt and every one of those dives you have terrible buddy communication and separation <laughs> issues yeah. and you're never coming up together you're always struggling you get to get lost okay, yeah. so even though you have a hundred dives of experience you have zero experience with the, a, a key thing that you need experience on in a, a situation where having a buddy with you is going to help well dude you, you actually have made things worse in a way if you've been doing you know things like going out you you fuck up the nav, but you manage to get back, or you you destroy the viz and you manage to live. Or you make all these mistakes and you still manage to make it back. And now you've you said, well, I can do that and make it back. So you that old normalization of deviance pops in there, and now you've got this bad habit that you're hooked into. You think this is this is okay, this is all good because we always came back. We always made right. it. But now we have an emergency in the right. middle of it. Oh, and we can't see because we got to turn around and, and, and go oh, back through boy. all this shit storm that we just made. <laughs> yeah, if you destroy the visibility in the middle of a rescue, you have not helped things. You have not made things better. As a matter of fact, you've increased risk exponentially, in my humble opinion. I think. Right. I mean, that's my opinion. I mean, maybe some people think destroying – it's okay to to kneel down on the bottom and hold on to your buddy during the gas share and, you know, completely occlude any visibility. Um, I don't think that's okay. I, no, and you don't those, have to. Well, number one, those people would be very much wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they would be inexperienced. You are wrong. That would be like going to Home Depot with an eighth of a tank of gas. And asking, you know, the 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 cashier at the self checkout who's just making sure nobody's walking through without paying, what the right type of screw for your new deck would be. They're not going to know. No, you got to go find the the grizzly old guy that's working back there that's been building decks for forty years. I'm, I'm like, thinking about a part time job at, at the he's old got the guy, He's got the old <laughs> ratty apron. You know, he doesn't have the brand new the, the brand new one. He's got a used one because he fucking used it. Right. God damn it. And he drives that beat up pickup truck and it's beat up because he fucking used it. <laughs> because he can fix it himself. And he's all beat he up. He doesn't need and... to buy a new he doesn't buy, need to buy a new pickup truck. No, he's fuck no you do not go out and buy new shit. You fix your own. That's what old people do. That's what <laughs> he, uh, he was all, he looks like shit because he's used it. He's used himself over the years. Yeah, one day he's going to break down just like that truck, just like, but he'll leave a legacy of beautiful sheds. <laughs> what else? <laughs> Decks. Decks, exactly. Beautiful sheds and decks that he built. God damn it. Number three, get practice. We all know we should actually practice air sharing, for example, but few of us actually do it. Do it at the beginning of your next dive, just before you leave the descent line. 
you and your buddy will both be fresh then. And with full tanks, it won't seem like so much of wasting air. That sounds a lot like, you know, basic cave diving, which is we do an S drill, which is, stands for safety drill, which a safety drill is just a gas air. And you do a quick gas air before you head into the cave. Yeah, getting into, uh, you know, clean control of yourself, clean formation for being able to make the swim out, mm-hmm. uh, clean communication between each other. It does a lot of things, too. I mean, it, it allows you to deploy your, deploy your gas sharing hose, whatever that happens to be in your con- particular configuration. But it, it just shows that, okay, my equipment is deployable. It's usable. I'm not going to run into problems during a gas share because that would be probably not that great if you go to do a gas share and you can't, you can't deploy it or there's issues that's not oh, that. you, you you mean ha- having your 36 inch uh, 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 <laughs> octopus hose wrapped underneath your shoulder strap of yeah, your BCD is a bad, bad place for it when uh, when somebody yeah. actually needs to use it and you should probably sort that out before the dive actually begins yeah that would be bad so yeah 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 I mean th- see I mean that is like standard practice for for like our diving. I mean, a, a, a full deployment, whether you do a full air share or not, yeah. but fully deploying those emergency tools so that 30 minutes from now, if the situation arises that you actually need it, there's zero question whatsoever that everything is in working order and deployable as we are underwater and need it right now. Absolutely. Nothing breathes wet. Everything's working. There's not a not a worry in the world if we uh, should need this stuff. Well, you, Rather than just like rushing through, throwing everything on the boat, waves are crashing, dive master kicks you off, and you just go crossing your fingers, hoping you don't have to use any of that shit. Right. I mean, you bring up a great point with the breathing off of the octo, because I know <laughs> a huge portion of the uh, recreational scuba community doesn't breathe off their octo very often, if at all, ever. No, it's just, it's just the, what, number one, they're conditioned to just buy the cheapest piece of shit right. octo that you well, can. That brings it, that right. opens a and whole they, can of worms it's right never, there. It's yeah. never used and breathed off of. Or when you take it into service, the uh, the service tech will breathe off of it. But And then when you look at people swimming around, I mean, that's the thing that's dragging through the right. mud. like chunks of sea fan <laughs> caught by the mouthpiece because it's just dangling and it's and it's dialed down super i mean it, it's just yeah it's set it's set to breathe terrible thank because you. You, yeah. because otherwise it's going to free flow all the time on most divers because they know <laughs> right because they jump in with it just flopping and flailing the mouthpiece is up when they hit the water and it takes off into free flow and they bang it on their in, into their hand to get it to turn, turn right. off because they, they don't understand what's going on. I mean, this yeah. is a this is a huge a huge thing that we see, and it's a great point that you know the and that philosophy or the idea or the whatever rule you want to call it, where you you spend as little money as possible on that octo because you're not going to use it. It's only for an emergency. You're like, well, wait a minute. Whereas <laughs> right, right. our our rule or philosophy is my octo is going to be the same as my primary because my primary is good 
and my octo is going to be good because I'm going to need it in the, when the shit hits the fan. I'm going to need it when things are bad or when I'm like, okay, we're 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 out of here. Let's like finish this. When I need it, it's a moment where I don't want to have to go to something that goes, oh, this piece of shit. Right. Oh, here we go. I hope it works. <laughs> right. <laughs> I hope it. I hope I get back to the surface with it. No, I want something that's gonna. You know, in, in that tense moment. Of like, if you really need to do an air share, you want to go to something that's working just as clean, just as smooth, just as easy as what you've been using the whole time. Not something that was like, well, you have to have something. Just, just build it into your BC inflator. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, and really, guys with those, those inflator backup rags, second stages, inflator second stage combo, whatever you want to call the damn thing. Do an actual dive and gas share from depth, especially from do it from 30 feet and see how that goes. Because I honestly, I mean, a good diver can make anything work. Yeah, I, of course, I, but, but but why? Yeah, yeah. Why would you sell this thing to new divers that aren't, you know, how often have they used it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a good a good diver can make anything work. A, a good participant, you know, you know, it, it's the classic joke of I, I could do it with one hand tied behind my back. Yeah. Know? But but why in an emergency underwater would you want one hand tied behind your back? Just use something good that's designed properly. Agreed. Agreed a thousand percent. But, uh, you know, the other it's side like of going that is. To, it's like going to Home Depot <laughs> with one hand tied behind your back. Now, who would do that? Well, unless you are missing an arm, and then, you know, we feel bad for you. But to purposely deprive yourself of one of your hands, that's crazy. That's that's not an optimal way to approach going to Home Depot or, or diving. So I would say the, the other thing with this is the problem is we said, yeah, a good diver can make anything work. So now all of these people are like, well, I'm a good diver. I'm just going to go buy one of those fuckers. <laughs> number four visualize problems plan your solutions john says planning the dive should always include playing the game what if what if one of us becomes entangled what if one of us runs low on air what if we get lost what if answering mo- the question what's that <laughs> i was gonna say what if monkeys fly out of my ass the uh <laughs> something uh it's totally different if you're in a dry suit versus if you're in a wetsuit. And you gotta be prepared. So that's right. What if <laughs> answering the questions ensures that you and your buddy will work in tandem. Whether the best course of action is to reach for your pony bottle regulator, swim to your buddy, or dump your weights and make an emergency ascent, it's essential to verbally rehearse your contingencies so that you have a plan at your fingertips on your mental desktop, so to say, where it can be acted on if needed. That's not a great analogy, the mental desktop, because have you seen people's desktops? Like my wife's desktop, and if they're talking the computer desktop or a physical desktop, either one, I'm like, holy motherless. How do you find any that that's crazy? So There's stuff everywhere. Yes, to have it in your mental desktop, I would say... Something a different analogy, like have it in the um, flooring section at Home Depot mentally. <laughs> have it in your your parking lot assembled right. shed department. It's mentally. like uh, you know going to the home repair flea market 
<laughs> and just you know thinking you're gonna dig through boxes, you know, yeah. and, and you know Rusty find that. Tools. Versus you go, you know, you you go to Home Depot with an eighth of a tank of gas, and you know you're gonna go right to the flooring section. Right. At least you've narrowed it down. You, it's it. You're gonna be pretty. You're gonna be a lot quicker than to do any of the other things that we just said. Right. Because next thing you know, you find yourself out in the home and garden. Looking for floors. Looking for flooring. What the fuck? There's no floors what here. What good's that going to do you? Yeah. Unless you want your floor made out of... You're, 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 tangled, you're tangled up, and gravel. you reach out, and you do, deploy your air McDoodle? What good's that going to do you? <laughs> the old air you're McDoodle. Gonna try to, you're going to try to purge the kelp away, but you actually accidentally hit the inflator button. and Later. You, you, later. <laughs> until that kelp just like ties up in a knot around you. Yeah, that's why inflator has the word later in it. Cause <laughs> <laughs> it's like I hit my inflator later. It's gone. Inf- later. <laughs> Number five, John says, gear up. He says attitude and training are more important than equipment. But some pieces of gear are critical if you're going to be able to rescue yourself. But most of all, pay attention to the details. When you assemble your gear, take the time to ensure you do everything right. It may help to establish an order in which you always do things or even use a written checklist. Build, build a good habit. And, and yeah, that's and, what our brains a, do. We a, build habits. Yeah, yeah have, a, have, a, have a team system. Of ensuring that everybody's got the gear that you need for the day, that you know, you know what's in each other's pockets. You know, so if if somebody needs something, you as a buddy can be right there to to help out without even making a big deal about it to begin with. You need an underwater machete. I have James here, the underwater right. machete. God damn it, he he's got it strapped right to his left hip. Gear the fuck up. That's how that should have been put. Gear the fuck up. Now, John gives us a couple of, uh, you know, these pieces of equipment that he says that, uh, you know, if a dive becomes an emergency, you should, uh, you must be able to breathe, escape from entanglements, return to the boat. And, you know, here's a couple of things that he gives us. And, you know, one is Brando's favorite, the octopus holder. The old octopus holder. Right. But he makes a good point that, you know, the, the octopus should not be dangling. You know, well, of course. You not. know, keep in mind this is a this is a, a magazine article that was written well before the the general community knew anything about a long hose and a necklace. I mean, everybody was diving right. an octopus or an air McDoodle still. You know, so but he's saying you know it should be clipped in front of you, where it can be easily seen, easily deployed. You know, one of our big issues with the traditional octopus is that very thing, right? If it's easy to deploy usually that means it falls off mm-hmm. very easily and if it's if it's nice and secure that means it's a bitch to, get <laughs> to out deploy you yeah actually need they it. work against each other they you, you can't really like have a uh, an emergency easily deployed backup rag or octo if you will if another th- <laughs> yeah if it's held securely it's not going to be easy to deploy they, they don't work together Another thing he gives us is uh, having a cutting device, a small knife or some sea snips he mentions. Definitely got to have a cutting device. Now, that is something Especially I don't Especially in yeah. an environment like kelp. 
Yeah, where you know yeah. you might need to cut yourself free, yeah. Or, you know, in the environments we dive in, uh, here in our local lakes, we dive in a lot. Um, a lot of fishing line, a lot of right. uh, line line. I mean, we lay lines for uh, travel, so we have a path to follow because there's a lot of nothingness out to different targets. So it's nice to, to have line, and you practice laying line and whatnot. But, um, yeah, you can get tangled up in that stuff, too. I can't think of an environment where it's it's likely – I mean, there's nothing there to get entangled in. So you pretty much should have some kind of cutting device. Plus, it kind of looks cool, doesn't it? I mean – Why do you think I have the machete? Exactly. Well, look at old Mike Nelson. Look at almost any – look at any James Bond movie with divers. They're going to have a big fucking knife. They're going to have a big-ass knife on their leg somewhere. Hot chicks which, and bikinis should be in which, a bikini. Which, by the way, is probably which is by the way is probably an entanglement hazard. It probably is, but it looks cool. It looks cool as hell. And the, you know what is that? Um, uh, never say never. I think was the one with Roger. Never say die. Never say die. Okay. Never say die with uh, what's her name? She had long brunette hair. She, I think she was French. God, what was her name? Anyway, she had uh, scuba gear. She was a marine biologist. She had scuba gear with that uh, big ass knife. She didn't have an octo, no octo, just a single tank, no BCD. She jumped in with that knife, big ass knife strapped on her. Now that looked cool. <laughs> and that is what's most important. <laughs> yes, well, looking cool is uh, is part of the game. But you know what else is going to look cool? He tells us you should have. A dive alert horn of some sort. I carry one in my pocket on a on a bolt snap that yeah, if I'm so doing he's talk- big open water. Yeah. Yeah, he's talking like about like the dive alerts that hook up to your B C D inflator. Right. Right. And most people connect them in between the low pressure hose and the inflator itself so they can wah, wah, you know, the, the, the underwater ones yeah. nowadays or the, the surface ones. Which I, I I can say I've had to use before. Yeah, it comes in handy. You know, I don't like it in place, though. I don't like diving no, with it. No, no. And you don't need it in place. No, you don't. I mean, for the one time out of a million dives that you, you might need it. But I tell you, if you're out in, like, big water yeah. and you run you run the risk of needing uh, to signal a boat far away, they're nice to have. But, yeah, p- place in a pocket down at the bottom, out of the way from everything else. Mm-hmm. But if I did really get into a terrible place where i needed to get to it okay i could dig down to the bottom to get that thing yeah it's well it's in my pocket and you're not going to use it underwater you're going to use it on the surface so right yeah when i'm up there dangling around hanging out looking for the boat just pop it in and um start hitting it another thing uh, another tool that he says that we should have is a redundant air supply and and this coming from a time in like the 90s we're selling uh Spare airs. Additional, yeah, spare <laughs> airs and pony bottles and additional additional pieces of equipment to compensate for not really thinking through a gas, gas plan. planning well, you know, which I would say today we can morph this a little bit into put together a solid gas plan. A solid and, gas and, plan and, and a good and team. Gas management yeah. of that plan. Yeah. yeah, you need a good team for a solid gas plan because, again, your partner – is your emerge is your redundant gas supply, if you will? You don't. I mean, carrying a, a silly ass spare air around is exactly that. It's silly. It, it's not useful or practical for much. I mean, it's great if you're in a helicopter and you crash in you know twenty feet of water. 
you'll get you'll get out. It's not good for right. diving. No, no, no. It's the opposite of the cool of the knife that was on right. the leg of the chicken. In, yeah, the James, the James Bond, Bond movie. movie. Right. You know, a couple other things he gives us here are, you know, have a compass with you, have some sort of a strobe light, and uh, have a safety sausage. You know, nowadays we would call that safety sausage a deployable surface marker buoy. You know, this is kind of before the time. You know, there was very few people even considering marker buoys, let alone deployable ones. They never really addressed the uh, sur- surface marker bags before. Like a recreational community didn't, but in the past decade or so, maybe even a little bit more than that, they've uh, been bringing back the old. Well, they've been talking about it. It's actually part of the class now, the surface marker bag or buoy. Right, having a having a surface signaling device mm-hmm. today is part of the curriculum. Right, and it's a, I don't want to say it's mandatory, but it's highly recommended equipment. Yeah, and and at least trying to to use it as part of the the, the training you know? and then yeah deploy it that would be the other thing is practice with it um because watching people deploy it can be funny yeah yeah you gotta you gotta be good at it mm-hmm. it's just like any other piece of gear you gotta know how to use it just like any other piece of equipment that you should have right you gotta you gotta get out there and use it use it properly you mean you don't just buy it and carry it around with you no. <laughs> did you just buy your lawnmower 4.0? And carry it around? Well, I and did. carry it around? <laughs> wearing the t-shirt? No, I deployed it immediately. Well, you have to because I know you used its wireless charging system. <laughs> it's, it's got a 600 milliamp lithium-ion rechargeable battery. Why wouldn't you have that thing charged up, ready to rock and roll, using it on a regular basis? Did you just say 600 milliamps? Yeah. Holy shit. In that little in that little piece of equipment. <laughs> Seven thousand RPM motor with a quiet stroke technology. That's Randall. insane. That is insane. Skin safe replaceable ceramic blades. You definitely need proper training to be using these. With all of that power. I think there's a video. There's gotta be a YouTube video on how to there's use this. Uh, we're 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 putting together the, the new manscaped rescue class. Right now, it's in. It's a. There's a. We're releasing the pilot program this weekend, and that's truly a self rescue for the most part. Well, depends on who your dive buddy is. Let me tell you, it is if you've picked up the new ultra smooth package. It's got the shaving care for down there. Special three step groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. Buff. Buff. Not that buff. What the hell? <laughs> it's got a gentle scrub for your groin area. That's that's the crop exfoliator. And then some clear lubricating shave gel for, uh, you know, getting ready, if you know what I mean. By the time you're done with this, you're going to want to put that region on display. Well, yeah, and that's why they got the new crop shaver, engineered specifically to shave the groin. It's got six replacement blades if you buy that ultra-smooth package. Whoa. 600 milliamps, 7,000 RPMs, six blades. This is insanity. There you go, everybody. Get over to manscaped.com and uh, pick up your ultra-smooth package for your ultra-hairy package that's in need of some smoothness. 
Don't forget to put in the code TGDP at checkout. That's manscaped.com. Get your 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. What code should they put in, Brando? They should put in the code TGDP. There you go, everybody. And get 20% off and free shipping. And uh, what was I going to say? Never mind. Just cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) Number six, John says, be aware. We're all taught to check our air pressure and depth frequently while we dive. But there are only two of the important variables. At the same time, you should also check your direction of travel. You should update your estimate of where the dive boat or exit point is. You should pause long enough to gauge the direction and strength of the current. You should check that all your gear is still in place, that your weight belt is not loose and slipping, for example, or your octopus is not dangling. And you should ask yourself how you're feeling. How am I feeling? tired? Am I tired? Cold? I'm old. Nervous? Am I old? Hell yes, I'm old. All this helps <laughs> anticipate problems before they snowball into emergencies. Now, all of those things seem like, oh my God, I'd, I'd just be down there checking the whole time. But the more you dive, and, and this is where the idea of just getting experience and doing these things on the dives, uh, it'll become second nature. It's very much, I always use that, that analogy of driving. Is that an analogy or a metaphor? Um, it's like driving a car, right? Just remember when you were learning and all the everything you've got to control seemed like it's overwhelming and all the things yeah. you've got to pay attention to. Yeah, the speed, the steering wheel. Well, if you're going to use the radio, if you're going to you know, turn signals even. I mean, just little things that looking oh, yeah, at it now, yeah. you're like, that's silly. That, it's so easy now. Yeah, but when, you, when, I mean, when you're first learning to drive a car, forget it. it. It's hard to stay in the lane when you take your awareness off the steering wheel just to deploy right. the turn signal. Right. right. Or when you, you look sl- back. That's what I mean. Like you slow down, you uh, you drift into the other lane already, you know, the opposite of the one that you want to actually turn to just because it's stealing your awareness. Right. Later on, though, yeah, you, you got your arm around the babe, you're changing the tunes. Who, what, driving what, with one what hand. What hands on the you steering got the, you got wheel? The, you, got the seat, you got the seat leaning back, <laughs> eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> Juggling torches, blades, whatever. Juggling your lawnmower 4.0. You're tri- trimming up with your lawnmower 4.0 as you're heading off to the dive site. This next one you're going to like. He says, when stuff happens, stop and get control. I love that one because that there's no, I think, during an emergency or a, a, any kind of failure, that is like number one critical. Stop. Yeah, because when you're underwater and something happens and uh, that you're not expecting, you're going to get a little spike of adrenaline. And that adrenaline is going to go one of two ways. You know, fight or flight. Fear. Yeah, it's <laughs> fight or flight. Exactly. So, yeah, stop, stop and, and get control and then kind of prioritize very quickly. You know, I've got gas. If you have gas, okay, dial down and let's, let's figure out how to get out of this issue. Yeah, these are all the things he says here too, right? Oh, okay. Stop before you do anything else. Stop all movement to reduce your sensory inputs. Take a slow, deep breath. Fully exhale. Remind yourself that as long as you can breathe, you're not in immediate danger. And then start taking inventory of that stuff, right? Agreed. If the problem is that you can't breathe, okay, then I need to to move on to something else. I stop. I thought. 
And then I just realized I can't breathe. So I've got to do something. He says when every second counts, that's all the more reason to get yourself under control so you can use those seconds wisely. Right. And again, we go to the out of gas emergency. Once you've got the gas to the guy, so that's where the time counts. Get the gas to the person and or they get the gas to you. But once you've got gas, now you can dial it way back and just relax for a second. Right. Right. And take charge of solving the problem, which is is point number eight. Once you are in control of your emotions, take control of the situation. Don't merely summon your buddy and wait passively to be rescued. If your buddy can help, so much the better. But expecting your buddy to take the lead can render you tentative and passive. Taking charge yourself also helps keep panic at bay because the first specific steps you take put you on the road to solving the problem, and they build confidence. How many times have you seen running classes? I can remember running Fundy's classes or whatnot, doing the gas sharing, who should be running the show when there's an actual out-of-air or out-of-gas emergency? Should it be the person needing the rescue or should it be the rescuer? And it, it should be the rescuer because they should, you know, they didn't run out of gas. But so often I used to find the, uh, the guy who, ran, who got the out-of-gas situation Donated. thrown at him. He's running the, the show, and you're, I have to stop it and cut it and go, listen, you are out of gas. You are not supposed to be running the show. We have to get this person who obviously isn't used to running the show to run it. So, yeah, just remember that. It, you have to take charge. You have to, especially if you're sharing gas with someone, take charge. That'll instill some confidence and, and relaxation a bit into the rescue E. And at, but at the same time, I think what John's saying here is it's not just somebody donates gas to you. Okay, I'm, d- I'm done now. We're good. <laughs> I'm all done now. Exactly. Take me home. Yeah, you don't just turn the brain off and say, okay, I'm unconscious. You can drag my ass home. You have to, uh, there's two, yeah, you have to participate in the rescue. He says, also, if you are the one who takes charge of the rescue, you will learn more from it and be better able to cope with the next emergency. Deciding what to do and actually doing it is what converts a scare into a learning experience. Oh, yeah. Number nine, he says, prioritize. Your first priority is to secure your air supply. Even if your air supply is not immediately threatened, check how much air you have left so this does not become a problem also. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Which, which is what really what, what good diving is. It, it's a game of awareness where you're constantly prioritizing your resources underwater so much that it becomes automatic. And when it gets to that point, it really opens up your awareness to the fun, which is really why you, you want to be down there. But it takes the work in the beginning to really get good at all the self-rescue stuff, the team awareness stuff, to open up your brain to have the fun. But most people are taught the other way. They're taught you got to learn a couple of these things so you can go down and have fun underwater. Hopefully nothing bad happens. Just buy all the best, most expensive stuff, and uh, that's your best way of not having an emergency. I think you you just summed up 98% of the uh, recreational diving curriculum slash industry slash community right there. It's Yeah, your, your safety 
can't be purchased with a with a SKU number. Your safety is going to come from time and experience and training and work and coaching and mentoring and, and getting in the water and doing it. I think that should go go on your website, Mott Underwater. Your safety cannot be purchased with a SKU number. Unless, but then you should say, unless you use this SKU number and order <laughs> unless, my rescue unless class. Unless you use this <laughs> discount code, Mott Underwater, for this next exactly. rescue class of teaching. No, that's a great, I mean, that, that right there, though. It, your safety can't be purchased with the SKU number. So you can't, like, buy equipment into your safe, you know, to become this super safe diver. Equipment's part of it, but you have to know how to use it, and you have to know what to do and how to act during a problem. Yeah, because uh, no matter what you buy, what safety piece you buy, what better piece you buy, none of it really comes with a manual of, of how to think through the situation when you need it underwater. That comes from practice. Practice, absolutely proper practice. And you need it taught by somebody that knows what the hell they're doing, what the heck they're doing. I'm sorry. Getting Number 10, up. John tells us, act deliberately. Begin dealing with the problem itself. Plan how to solve it. And then act out each step in the plan carefully. And if conditions permit, slowly slow down bitches yes underwater slow is fast famous words they are famous words yeah and that's um i mean that only comes from experience and and having these skills and having your own you know personal ability in the water so clean that you can stay calm and relaxed and do it without like flustering and flailing and panicking and, and making it more difficult on yourself in that three-dimensional setting, which is where things are going to occur, right? Thinking that you could just get negatively buoyant and settle yourself to try to deal with a problem every time you try to do something is bad news when it's really going to happen. Mm. Yeah, unless you've practiced it. Again, we go back to practice and practice properly and uh the comfort will come what what did we used to say the three c's you correct. know yeah come uh correct. confidence oh, correct, correct. <laughs> come here <laughs> and calculate me bag um <laughs> no no there's competence builds confidence no, competence. It's something my grandfather told me. I'll never forget it, ever. He said, competence. <laughs> no, actually, so competence will build uh, confidence, which ultimately that confidence makes you more comfortable underwater. So you got competence, confidence, and comfort, the three yeah, Cs. You have to be. you have to be so good with your skills that you're confident in your ability to perform them when needed which is going to make you way more comfortable on the dive you I, you said it way better than i did and that is exactly right it's it's something uh you know my uh good buddy <laughs> wait 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 wait. it's it's something bob in the hardware department at home depot said one time when i drove there with an eighth of a tank of gas looking for uh the best screws for flooring and it and if you ever find the guy in Home Depot that's like missing part of a finger, that's the guy you want to go to. He probably Absolutely. taught shop. He's probably been out there and done that. If it could be done, he he did it to include cutting off a finger. And uh, it's one way to learn. It's one way to learn. Don't put your the finger. The bottom line. <laughs> yeah. 
The bottom line, John tells us, notice that the solution to the problem when you are alone is no different than what you were taught to do anyway. In virtually every situation, your buddy should be there to help you solve your problem, not to solve it for you. The key to a successful self-rescue lies not in specific tricks or gadgets, but in controlling your anxiety, staying calm, and thinking through the situation. Huge part of it. Huge part of it. It's, it's, uh, it's mindset, which you, know, you and I talk about a lot, is that is what's going to keep you safe and keep you diving in the big long-term game. Right. Is having a philosophy and a mindset to how you approach your time underwater. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's key. And, um, and stick to it. <laughs> it's one thing you to have a philosophy else? and not stick to it. But You know what else helps, Brando? Uh, I do. Having, having a good cup of coffee before the dive. And that is exactly what I was going to say because I'm, I'm not only having a, that, that can cracking was not a, a beer, you know, just to set the record straight, though we may joke about it. It was a good old R- Red Bull. That's because I've drank all my delicious Kraken this morning. And I shouldn't say just me. I've, got, I've had this one cup had down in the hot tub but when i came back up it was pretty much gone it was all gone and i had to get on on the air quick because that's what we do and uh so i had to grab a bowl but i would have preferred a delicious cup of my abyss coffee kraken flavored kraken roast is it a kraken roast yeah yeah blend the kraken blend blend. Ooh, it's blended roast well hey everybody get over there to the abyssCoffeeco.com Put in the code TGP. Tell them we sent you. And, hey, I hope you guys had fun this week. And we're going to have some fun rescue diving this weekend. That's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun little uh, excursion this weekend. We get to see some old friends. And, um, of course, we'll be down at our training location. Do you want to say it? Do you want to tell people where we're going to be? It's going to be good. It's going to be great. Yeah. What else? What else we got? Time to sign some logbooks. Sign those goddamn logbooks. Dear Brando. Brando. Dear Brando, it was not never say die. It was never say never again. That's what I, I said, never say never. But then I forgot to put the again. I, I'm signing your logbook right now. Oh, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. We should do a movie night. I like it. Dear Jamesy, um, see you on aisle 14 at the depot with uh, Bob, the one, <laughs> the, the three-fingered old grizzly guy that we love, old Bob. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. Same rescue time, same Home Depot channel. What? 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 What?